The fabulous 413 podcast is funded by Northeast Solar, offering solar options, energy security, and solutions for the local community. Learn more at northeast-solar.com. Every time I come to a crosswalk in downtown Springfield, I think, Wait. Wait. Don't tell me. Wait. Wait. Don't tell me. Wait. Wait. Don't tell me. (laughs) And that is what we are here talking about today. Welcome to the Fabulous 413. I'm Khalees Smith. And I'm Monty Belmonte. Later in the show, Congressman Jim McGovern on the wild ride of censure and impeachment in the House of Representatives and on talking with representatives from Western Mass about the Poor People's Campaign. Tonight at Tanglewood, it's a live taping, which sounds oxymoronic, of my favorite NPR weekend program, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Now in its 25th season, the Peabody Award-winning news quiz returning to Tanglewood tonight. The show is hosted by Peter Sagal, along with official judge and scorekeeper Bill Curtis, who are still furiously working on tonight's scripts as we speak. I don't know anything about that. We definitely weren't we just working on our definitely scripts were not just working a minute on and a half ago. And this week's special guest is Berkshire County's own Karen Allen, star of Raiders of the Lost Ark, some other Indiana Jones movie, and the hopefully <laughs> excellent Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Joining the show tonight are regular Wait Wait panelists Nagin Farsad and Roy Blunt Jr. Nagin, who is definitely joining us right now in the fabulous 413, and Roy, who we are really hoping will be joining us <laughs> at some point during this show, or you're going to have the whole stage to yourself, Nagin. Thank you so much. <laughs> From her website, Nagin Farsad was named one of 50... 50- Funniest Women by Huffington Post, named one of 10 Best Feminist Comedians by Paper Magazine, and was selected as a TED Fellow for her work in social justice comedy. She's the author of the recently released How to Make White People Laugh, a memoir meets social justice comedy manifesto, which was nominated for the Thurber Prize for Humor. She's the host of Fake the Nation, a political comedy podcast on the Earwolf Network, and she's a regular panelist on NPR's Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Clearly welcome. Thank you so much for joining us, Nagin. Uh-oh. Oh, no. Do we have Nagin? Oh, no. Her screen turned blank. It did. Good thing we didn't try to broadcast live from Tangle. We were going to try to meet with Peter Sagal and all the gang, but they were because of how busy they were, uh, we weren't able to do that. And plus, we're broadcasting live from the Green River Festival, so we didn't want to put all of the team through their paces 15 times in one week. <laughs> uh, that would have been quite difficult, yes. We do have a quiz that is set up for our uh, alleged guests uh, <laughs> at some point, too, in our own wait-wait style. But perhaps, maybe, until we get the technical difficulties, which weren't difficult at all worked out, we should uh, have our regular conversation with U.S. Congressman from the 2nd Congressional District of Massachusetts, Jim McGovern. Three. Hello there. Hey, how are you? Are you in an elevator? I'm just getting out of the elevator. Yeah. <laughs> I heard the person announce <laughs> that you were on floor three. Your secure, yeah. undisclosed location has been revealed. Yeah. How are you doing? Good, and you? I enjoyed my time you know, in, it, it, in Bill Keating's it, it, district. It, it, oh, good. Yeah. How was the good? Did you have a good time? Yeah, I love the Cape. My co-host Khalees Smith wants to know uh, how you're doing. It's been a it's been a really brutal week here. Oh I yeah. Mean, just. <laughs> 
I mean, I feel like I'm unplugged and unhinged. Time for our weekly check-in with U.S. Congressman from the 2nd Congressional District of Massachusetts and the ranking member of the Rules Committee, Congressman Jim McGovern, McGoverning with McGovern. We're always open to your questions for the Congressman at the FAB 413 at nepm.org, or you can text us, 800-639-9120. Joe from Chicopee, didn't, uh, he, he didn't use as kindly as words as I'm about to use, but says, wants you to admit that the son of the president, Hunter Biden, got a sweetheart deal from the Justice Department in regards to tax evasion, possession of weapons. Congressman McGovern, what's your take on what's happened with Hunter Biden over the past week? Well, compare it to other people um, who have had similar charges and who have cooperated with the authorities. You know, uh, I assume the, the gentleman from Chicopee is, a, you know, is, is, feels that Trump is getting a raw, raw deal. But let me just say, if Trump cooperated with authorities, um, we wouldn't be in the situ- he wouldn't be in the situation he's in. It was be- precisely because he did not cooperate with authorities. He lied. He obstructed justice. That a grand jury in Florida came forward with 37 felony counts. So Hunter Biden, not unlike others who have had similar uh, uh, issues, um, has a plea deal that's being overseen by a Trump-appointed judge. So it's not a Biden-appointed judge or a Clinton-appointed. It's a Trump-appointed judge. Um, you know, has has to follow whatever the agreement is, and if he violates it, he will end up in jail. So, I mean, I I know on Fox News it's fashionable for people to say that is a sweetheart deal, and uh, and that somehow Hunter Biden is being treated differently than um, than uh, uh, Donald Trump. It's just not true. Um, and you know, but you know, it's hard to get through to people who uh, are addicted to Fox News. Certainly. Uh, speaking of Florida, where these uh, Trump charges have stemmed from, Representative Anna Paulina Luna from Florida introduced a resolution to censure Democratic Congressman Adam Schiff. You had some strong words in opposition to the Republican Congresswoman's censure. And what's the sponsor of this of this censure done? What's Congressman Luna's record? I want her constituents to know in her congress- congressional career, five out of the six legislative items she's ever introduced are about Adam Schiff. I mean, doesn't she have anything better to do? Like, I don't know, help her district? Uh, This is what's known as lunacy. Talk about what bothers you about this in regards to the House and the way it's censured Adam Schiff. Yeah, well, because one is there's no basis to censure him. Um, Censure is a pretty, you know, strong uh, tool that, uh, that is used in the House of Representatives on very, very rare occasions. Um, but, uh, basically what it came down to is they didn't like the fact that Adam Schiff oversaw the first impeachment, um, you know, won a bipartisan vote in the Senate and Trump's mad about it. And so, you know, Trump says to the Republicans impeach Adam Schiff and that's exactly what they do. You know, it's, I guess it's retaliation, it's revenge. Uh, but I mean, I was interested, uh, interesting to hear, uh, the author of this resolution on the floor say, None of the things about Russia uh, and collusion were true. Well, I, I beg to differ. Read the Mueller report. Better yet, read the the report from the Republican-controlled Senate Intelligence Committee, uh, which had some pretty harsh words about Trump's collusion with the with the Russians. I mean, it's there. Um, I'm I, I'm sorry you don't like it, but you know he behaved badly. And he, we, you know, and we impeached him in the house for it. Uh, and, uh, you know, and that's, that's just the way it works. That's just the way it is. But I mean, there was a, there was a case that was made 
Um, it was an, an irrefutable case. And when people say, oh, there's no basis to it, did you read any of this stuff? Did you read, you know, uh, what the committee came up with? Did you read the Mueller report? Did you read the Republican-controlled Senate Intelligence Committee that Marco Rubio obviously signed off on as well because he was on the on the committee? It's just, it's just, it's ridiculous. But in any event, they chose to spend yesterday uh, trying to censure Adam Smith rather than debating issues or trying to move legislation forward that would, you know, help end hunger in this country or that will help get people more housing or that will help uh, combat climate change or that will help provide resources for additional uh, units of affordable housing um, or, you know, to help our veterans or whatever. This is what they chose to do. And today um, we will be spending our time uh, dealing with Lauren Boebert's uh, resolution to impeach Joe Biden. Why, why are we doing that? She doesn't like him. Well, whatever. Well, there. I mean, this has been another place. dramatic thing in the House as of yesterday, and speaking with Congressman Jim McGovern, um, represent, this from the Daily Beast, Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene has been trying to impeach President Biden for months, but now isn't happy that right. Representative <laughs> Lauren Boebert is trying to impeach him too. She uh, allegedly called her a, a nasty word, the B word it, yesterday. It, uh, yeah, because Mar- Marjorie Taylor Greene believes that Lauren Boebert stole her idea to impeach Biden. All right. That's what the big fight is about. Right. But neither of them can tell you why they want to impeach Biden. Well, Marjorie I mean, Taylor no Greene said something about Ukraine at the very beginning. That she's been trying to impeach him since day one. Lauren Boebert looks like she's using a procedural tool to try to, to uh, force a vote on her impeachment resolution. A lot of this is lost in the weeds for most uh, citizens in regards to the procedural way that Congress works. But but look, they bring dishonor uh, on this institution, uh, not only what they did with Adam Schiff yesterday, but with trying to do this today. And again, they are doing this instead of like tackling any issue that might have a impact on the people I represent uh, or any or, or the people, anybody in this, in this country, that, that is where they choose to spend their time and they're fighting amongst each other as to who can, you know, who can lead the charge to try to impeach Joe Biden. I, I mean, I, it, it, this is like a cult. Uh, and I, and I, and I, and I, 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 you know, I said yesterday, you know, where are the moderate sensible Republicans? I mean, they're, they're all but disappeared. They don't exist. I, I've lost count, Monty, of how many Republicans have come up to me and said that they're embarrassed by some of these tactics. They they, they, they think that the far right in their conference is, you know, over the top. And yet those same people who tell me they're embarrassed, I think this is wrong, bad for the institution, voted to go along yesterday. Why? They're all afraid of their primaries. They're afraid they can't explain to their base, you know, why they will vote no to impeach a president you know, when there's no basis to impeach president or why they would vote no to not censure Adam Schiff when, you know, none of the criteria that would be used to censure somebody fits uh, with regard to him. They're just afraid. Well, and, let, well let me ask you, is, because, you know, the, the Democratic House of Representatives, in some people's mind, for very good reason, and in other people's mind, there was no collusion, impeached the president of the United States twice. Is this the new correct. weapon of the House of Representatives. Are we going to see an endless gauntlet depending on which party is in control of censure, impeachment over and over to the point where it becomes feckless and is no longer a relevant tool? And can anything be done in regards to the to the order of the House of Representatives to make this more of a rarity rather than the, a daily operation? Yeah, I mean, elect people who are not off their rocker. I okay. mean, number one, that's, the, that's what we have to start with. 
But two, I mean, look, uh, presidents who commit crimes should be impeached. It, it is possible, and we've seen this. Um, we, we almost impeached Richard Nixon, but there was a there was a reason for it. I mean, the way he acted and he conducted himself in a way that was illegal, and we impeached Trump twice for the same reasons. So, you know, I mean, if Joe Biden were to collude with the Russians or the Chinese, or, you know, if Joe Biden were to, you know, try to launch an insurrection or whatever, right? I mean, you know, th then there's grounds you know, to, to, to remove him from office. But just because you don't like somebody's policies or you don't like the way they look or the way they talk or the way, you know, who they hang out with in terms of their cabinet, that, 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 that trivializes all of this. And, if, and if, you know, if that's where we're going. It, it's sad for the country because we do need checks and balances in this country, uh, not just for Republicans, but for Democrats as well. And if Joe Biden colluded with the Chinese, you know, or to, to interfere in an election, I would vote to impeach him. But that's not what we're talking about here today. This, this, this is now just, you know, a matter of we, we want to do this because we can. And it is b basically being directed by the guy in Mar-a-Lago or, or, or where or is he in New Jersey? I don't know where the hell he is now. But that's it. And it is like a cult. It is a cult. The fear that Republicans have of Donald Trump is just stunning. Well, let me ask and, you this, uh, because if the Democrats take control of the House again, you're in the leadership, you're in the upper echelon uh, when it comes to the leadership of the Democratic Party in the House of Representatives. Is this going to be tit for tat, eye for an eye? Like, yeah. can you envision that no. there would be some sort of what people would feel fool's errand censure or uh, additional impeachment? Or are the Democrats largely committed to only using this when necessary? I believe we have only used it when it is necessary um, and when it is appropriate. And I think that's the way both parties should approach it. I mean, it was a little bit ironic yesterday while they were talking about how how Adam Schiff brought dishonor to the House of Representatives that George Santos was, you know, sitting only a few rows away from him. I mean, and, you know, they have no problem with him. I mean, he's got indictments and he's, you know, I mean, I don't know what, I don't even know what his real name is. Uh, and he's, he's in this house um, and they continue to form a circle of protection around him as if it, somehow he is this great leader in the, in the United States Congress. It's like, you know, really? I mean, and, and I think Nancy Pelosi put it best yesterday when she looked at him and says, you all look miserable. This is really, you know, an awful day uh, for the country that this is what you think is the right thing to do. Uh, and you know, and they all know it. And I, I would, I would say, ninety percent of them know that this is the wrong thing to do. Ninety, ninety percent of them know that this is bad for the country, but they are so captured by Trumpism and Donald Trump, they're afraid to do anything. I mean, they're afraid to say anything, you know. And and Trump still is the leader in the Republican uh, primary polls, which is just amazing to me. I just, I, I, I don't, I don't get it. What happened? in this country where a man who's been indicted for 30 on uh, 37 felony counts, a person who has been convicted as a sexual abuser, somebody who's going to have probably more charges brought up against him based on his interference in, in Georgia. And I mean, a whole bunch of other stuff, guy who hides classified documents in his bathroom, waves nuclear secrets around in front of strangers. I'm trying to understand under in, on what planet is this like acceptable? I don't care whether you like his policies, but people have to Republicans have to break themselves of this narcissist, this person who is destructive, who only cares about himself. I mean, for the sake of our country, 
the sake of our democracy. There were plenty of other Republican candidates running for president who I think are all have lousy policies, but nonetheless, I think that they would respect the rule of law that you can choose from. But but we, we have to end this hold that this this criminal um, has over the Republican Party in this country. I mean, he may be the nominee, but God help us if he if he ever becomes president. Speaking with U.S. Congressman Jim McGovern from the 2nd Congressional District of Massachusetts, McGoverning with McGovern, bringing it a little bit closer to home. This is from Gazette reporter Scott Mersbach. Foot soldiers in poor people's campaign bring anti-poverty costs to the Capitol. There was Northampton resident David Edwards in Washington, D.C., as uh, one of a 39-member Massachusetts contingent that's part of the Poor People's Campaign for Moral Action and Poverty. Talking to Congress, Greenfield resident uh, Judy Schiavone was there, Sarah Ahern of Greenfield was there, and this is um, all part of the effort that U.S. Representatives Lee and Jaipal introduced, reintroduced the third Reconstruction Bill to initiate some large-scale federal efforts to end poverty, dismantle racist policies and structures. This follows in the wake of the Civil War and the Civil Rights Movement. Uh, did you, I believe your office at least, met with these uh, representatives from the 413 of the Poor People's Campaign? What was your takeaway from your meeting with them? Yeah, you know, I met with them personally. It was a great meeting, and um, and I really appreciated the fact that they're down here. And by the way, there are hundreds and hundreds of people down here from all over the country, and and they're down here not just advocating, you know, to go onto this bill or that bill, uh, but you know, the people are down here telling their stories. And I'm a big believer that stories can move members of Congress. Uh, we're inundated with facts and figures and statistics. Sometimes I think we've lost our human ability to feel what they mean. But when somebody comes down and tells you their individual stories, how they struggled to put food on the table, how they struggled with housing. And two of the members it, it, that it, I it, mentioned that are from the Greenfield area uh, themselves uh, experienced homelessness, uh, yeah. one for a three-month period, one grew up in poverty. So yeah, these are their actual stories. That's part of the beauty of the Poor People's Campaign. It's right. not uh, an ivory right. tower trying to figure out everything for the right. people. It's the people themselves, yeah. Yeah, I, th I think that, I think, I mean, I had a very, very productive meeting with them. But I, I think their presence here is how you change the realities down here as well. This is how you get policy changed. You people to come down in person, you know, and make their case and tell their stories. And it was very, very powerful. And I, again, I, we, I, I, I really appreciated the fact that they stopped by and spent as much time with me as they did. And, um, and I'm with them. I have their back. Um, you know, we can end poverty in this country. We can end hunger in this country. Uh, this is it's all these are all political conditions. Uh, we just have to have the political will to do it. And uh, and as long as people start to speak up and continue to push, there's a, a better chance that we will uh, we will we will reach the goals that we all want to reach. This past Monday, Congressman, was uh, the federal holiday of Juneteenth. What did you as a representative in the federal government do to celebrate Juneteenth? Well, I was in I, I was at an, uh, an event in Worcester, a flag raising event in Worcester, um, and uh, with uh, you know a, a diverse group uh, from our community, and um, and we not only raised the flag but talked about the unfinished business that we have uh, in the area of equality and civil rights in this country, and that how this has to be more than a holiday where we just raise a flag or give a speech, but we have to compare ourselves you know, to, 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 to changing realities. And that happens not just at the federal level, it happens at the state level, at the local level, it happens in our businesses, it happens in our community organizations. Uh, we, we all need to do better. We need to acknowledge the progress we've made, but understand that we are not where we need to be or should be. 
Uh, and uh, so it was, it was a wonderful, wonderful uh, event that we had, and I was thrilled to have been invited. U.S. Congressman from the 2nd Congressional District of Massachusetts joins us every Thursday, McGovern,ing with Congressman Jim McGovern. You can send a question for the congressman to us, and I'll ask him on your behalf, whether it feels snarky or not from the left or from the right, the fab413 at nepm.org, or text us 1-800-639-9120. Thanks as always, Congressman. Always fabulous to be with you. Have a, have a, have a good week. Coming up, I think we've got the wait, wait people all set up. So, <laughs> here and there, everywhere. But hopefully, we'll talk with Nagin Farsad and Roy Blunt Jr. coming to Tanglewood tonight. You're listening to the Fabulous 413 on NEPM. Every time I come to a crosswalk in downtown Springfield, I think, Wait. Wait. Don't tell me. Wait. Wait. Don't tell me. Wait. Wait. Don't tell me. Tanglewood, take two. Take two. I guess that the uh, internet in Lenox slash Stockbridge may not be great, but hopefully- I feel like we have personally experienced this as well. Yeah, and you know, we live in a largely rural area in the 413, and we're all experiencing this in real time right now as we're trying to reach Tanglewood because tonight is a live taping, which again, to me sounds oxymoronic, of my favorite NPR weekend program, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me Now, in its 25th season, a Peabody award-winning news quiz returning to Tanglewood tonight. The show is hosted by Peter Sagal, along with official judge and scorekeeper Bill Curtis, who are still working on tonight's scripts. <laughs> See, it's always see. they have also experienced their own technical difficulties oh, today. Technical difficulties <laughs> all over the place, but hopefully, hopefully ours are over, and we are joined by regular panelists Nagin Farsad and Roy Blount Jr., who we hope join us now in the fabulous four one three. Drum roll! Hello. Oh, I've got one. Yay, we got. We got Nagin. Do we have Roy? We don't have Roy yet. I tried a hundred times to give him the phone number and even emailed it to him. Either way, I'll tell you, part of the reason is Stockbridge is already on the plywood ramp to the weekend. I hear that. So we're not... We don't need internet or phones no. or anything <laughs> like that. We're already in a different plane, a weekend plane. Tanglewood's already been drinking. Go home, Tanglewood. You're drunk. <laughs> That's how the woods got exactly. so tangled. <laughs> and that is Nagin Farsad, who has been named by Huffington Post, one of the 50th, funniest, 50 funniest women, named one of the 10 best feminist comedians by Paper Magazine, a TED fellow, the author of the recently released How to Make White People Laugh, I won't put you on the spot as a white person. I've already laughed once. You've already lived up to the title of the book. Host of the Fake the Nation uh, podcast on the Earwolf Network and a regular panelist on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. One of the funniest shows on that network, I will say, for sure. The podcast. Yeah. Thank you. No problem. Nagin, how long have you been with Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me? 
You know, it's so funny because I still consider myself like a newbie. But if we're talking in real time, which I guess most of us are talking about actual linear time, <laughs> I have been with the show since 2017, which makes me not like the newest person on the block, uh, <laughs> which is like, it's, it's weird. Like I don't, anytime I'm like looked upon as some sort of adult, I find that very uncomfortable. Isn't it strange? Um, yeah. But yeah, it is. Like I'm expected to know things and do things and have a bank account it's all very weird and it's hilarious that you've considered yourself new because you've already guest hosted the show a couple of times <laughs> i have i've i've filled, like you've been, they put um, you in charge in charge of the show not I just know. like there for comedic like import but like in charge of everybody and how the show flows it's very very strange how that happened <laughs> uh you know we were doing we were doing upside down day on those days <laughs> and so it worked out um but yeah i mean wait wait is just and it's and it's also interesting because i'm someone who listened to wait wait with my parents Oh um, you know, kind of like in, in, in high school and in college, like, uh, you know, we, we would turn it on or be on in the weekends or whatever. And so it's, it's so strange to like be a part of it, uh, this thing that I knew about, um, you know, it, it's, it's such an honor as they say. <laughs> <laughs> well, Nagin Farsad is going to be one of the panelists tonight live to tape for Wait, Wait. At Tanglewood, and drum roll, please. We do believe we also have via phone from the drunken tangled trees of Tanglewood. Regular panelist Roy Blunt Jr. Are you there? Yeah. I'm oh, there. yes. Woohoo! Technology. <laughs> the reunion is complete. <laughs> I'm hanging out my window of my house, oh, no. one hand holding. Holding to the sill, and if I let one, if one finger gets tired, this will be over. I can hear the wind rolling in the distance, Roy Blunt yeah, Jr. Yeah. We appreciate your sacrifices. Roy is the author of 24 books about everything from hey. the first woman president of the United States back in 1992 to what barnyard animals are thinking. I think this might be a good opportunity if we have the clip from Roy Blunt Jr to uh, play a little bit about what uh, barnyard animals are either thinking or at least maybe saying. Uh, in linguist linguisticians, to justify the uh, rarification of their studies of language, will say things like Stephen Pinker cited, cited as proof that the relation between uh, words and their meaning is arbitrary. The fact that um, in English, pigs go oink, oink. In uh, Norwegian, pigs go I don't, I'm not sure I'm pronouncing this right, but something like nuff, nuff. <laughs> and in Russian, Russia, pigs go C-H-R-J-O, C-H-R-J-O. <laughs> I thought that was cheating because, I don't know, those aren't Russian letters, and uh, I don't know what C-H-R-J-O sounds like in, in any language. So, so here's what I did. I Googled Russian pigs go. Try it yourself. And I found a, a guy, a person who, on some website who wanted to explain about how Russian pigs go. And he said, let's see if I got, got it written down. He said, Russian pigs go H-R-O-O, H-R-O-O. But you have to bear in mind that the H is more like an H-K. But don't really pronounce the K, just phlegm up the H. <laughs> um, which 
to me, sound, I can see that working as a Russian pig and American pig. You know, pigs make lots of different noises. Roy, would you like to attempt to phlegm up the noises <laughs> that a Russian pig makes for our listening audience here in the Fabulous 413? Oh, that, was, that, was, that was pretty great, Roy. That's Roy Blunt Jr. from Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me from his alphabet juice that we heard there. And Roy, you are... Um, uh, a real big fan of linguistics, of words, of dictionaries. You are a dictionary nerd. You were part of the American Heritage Dictionary Usage Consultant Board, which no longer was, exists. Yeah. That's right. They, it's a sad day when that board went down because it was fun. They would just send you questions, you know, and you would vote as to whether something was really a word or not. And it, <laughs> Now we have Great a reg- did you did you break the board? <laughs> the culture broke the board <laughs> because we stopped using the words in the way that the American Heritage Dictionary was allowing. No, because we stopped using dictionaries. That's why. <laughs> well, we, we actually stopped using books. You know, they don't put out dictionaries in the form of books anymore. It's a shame. We we they do still, and we um, have a regular dictionary editor on from Merriam-Webster every week, um, and their big thing is calling balls and strikes about what doesn't matter. Um, we're not telling you how to use a word. This is just how words are getting used. Was that what the American Heritage Dictionary's usage consultant board was, or was it more like the French Academy where they were saying this is how the word should more, be used? It's a little more judgmental. It, it, it was. It, it was uh, I'm not telling you how to use this word, but don't use it this other way around me. (laughs) (laughs) That is Roy Blunt Jr., who will be part of Tanglewood's presentation of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me Tonight, which Cleese and I will both be at. We're really fun. The whole NEPM team is going to be there around the big tree in the uh, in the lawn outside the shed there with our fancy tables and wine and stuff. Now that we're on linguistics, linguistics Roy Blunt Jr., are there other cool subgenre dictionaries that you have been a part of or that you have enjoyed over the years looking at language? Uh, that I've been a part of? No, no I don't know. I'll probably. I mean, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking around in my uh, office here at, the, at my house and I see lots of dictionaries many of which are illustrated with my picture on the front page. (laughs) (laughs) But I forget the names of them. That's why you have them in physical form, (laughs) so that you don't have to remember. (laughs) That's right. I I have one whole dictionary written on the arm of a shirt, but I don't have that shirt on (laughs) Roy Blunt Jr. will be at Tanglewood tonight for Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, as will Nagin Farsad. Let's hear a little clip from your uh, comedy movie, The Muslims Are Coming, Nagin. I had to go back to California to visit my parents because my aunt was visiting from Iran. And it was the first time she had been to the United States ever. And I had to go down to, like, respect my elder, right? And, um... So I go to California, and, um, and I, I was like, oh, my God, she's never been to the U.S. We absolutely have to take her to eat a taco, right? And my mom is like, oh, that is a good idea, but how is taste taco? And I was like, lady, what do you mean, how is taste taco? You've been living here for 30 years. You don't know how is taste taco? No, I don't know. And I was so mad, I was so mad. I was like, you immigrants, come to this country. And you don't try Mexican food? 
You're just un-American. <laughs> That's Nagin Farsad from the movie The Muslims Are Coming. You're also quoted, Nagin, in The Secret Life uh-huh. of Muslims, which was aiming to bust stereotypes in the early part of the Trump presidency about Muslims and Muslim Americans, uh, saying, I think if you're a Muslim, it's so ridiculous. I have to go there and be like, hey, I'm normal. I like Pop-Tarts. <laughs> now, Pop-Tarts are mm-hmm. part of another regular wait wait don't tell me panelists shtick and have been since i was a kid and got a box of pop tarts i believe with her picture on it in like the late 80s or 90s paula poundstone do you like pop tarts because of wait wait panelist and comedian paula poundstone but i also it's it's like part of the hazing process that Ah. we have to like really learn to love pop tarts as as panelists it's it's a thing we all have to endure so that's just you know one of the quirks of the show um but can i say something about about animals really quick oh please going back you guys remember like 45 minutes ago when you were talking about animal noises yes i do well i have to add roy to your list um in Iran, they say, um, like the dogs over there, they're all Muslim dogs, by the way. Um, they don't say they don't say rough, rough. They say huff, huff, which I thought is was fun and cute. But the cutest thing, I think, is that roosters they don't say cockadoodle do. They say googly goo <laughs> which is so funny because a lot of your alphabet juice thing roy has to do with the word google and where that word came from so the fact that the roosters in iran say googly goo it just ties everything together you even know so um yeah it's hard so some, to get it i just want right. to say we're cuter i think cuter than the american um rooster at the end of the day. I know some Spanish-speaking okay. dogs say guau guau, and that's cute, too. In Japan, they say wan wan. That's also yeah, cute. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I, I never know. had a dog that said wan wan, but <laughs> hey, I've never had a Japanese dog. Either. Right. <laughs> and our dogs don't say bow wow. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> they just howl at the moon. They just they howl. Say, oh. And sometimes intruders. We're speaking with Roy Blunt Jr. and Nagin Farsad, who will both be part of the live taping of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me tonight at Tanglewood. We're going to take a little break, but coming up, we're going to give you our own uh, national and Western mast themed version of a Wait, Wait style news quiz. You know, just as a warm up to get you ready for this evening. Yeah, to get you ready. Oh, yeah. You're listening to The Fabulous 413 on NEPM. We stole that music. <laughs> Welcome back to the Fabulous 413. I'm Monty Belmonte. I'm Kali Smith. We're joined by regular panelists on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, Nagin Farsad and Roy Blount Jr., who are coming to Tanglewood tonight to tape the show live in front of an audience. We'll be the audience. Yeah, that's really fun. <laughs> now, Nagin, and I know you, uh, Roy, as well, were part of Wait, Wait pre-panny, pre-pandemic, and then during the pandemic, and now p- kind of post-pandemic, Back to a live audience, at least. What was that time like where there was no real live wait, wait audience? And how do you feel now that the audience is back? Let's start with you, Nagin. 
Well, I, you know, it's funny because my very first pandemic show where there was no audience, um, Tom Hanks was the guest. Uh, that week. Oh, man. And what? so the panelists, again, like no one knew how to do it and, and how to act and react. And it was really weird. And normally guests just come on the show, do their interview and leave. But Tom Hanks logged on when the staff logged on. Oh, wow. And then he hung out for like two and a half hours. <laughs> So we didn't have, we had no audience except for one man, and that one man was Tom Hanks. <laughs> and it's just, the, the, the fear I had that I wasn't going to make that man, that one audience member laugh <laughs> was, was next level. But he is such a good sport that he, like, totally dished out the laughs for all of us. And I don't even know why he put himself through that. <laughs> um, but that was one of my... We were all longing for connection back then. Show. Even Tom Hanks, who <laughs> then told Roy me. Blunt Jr. he had dead eyes, and then he started a whole podcast. No, I'm just kidding. That's a, that's a totally different thing. What about you, Roy? What was your experience going from audience to online back to audience? It was story very, I mean, the show very seldom during uh, the pandemic. Uh, I don't know. I like... But I did do it back in the very beginning of the history of the show when uh, I would do it from this room where I'm sitting right here. We all did it remotely with no audience. Mm. And uh, that was, uh, you know, we couldn't even see each other or anything. (laughs) I just went downstairs. Um, And uh, so it's better. And I didn't want to travel. So I kept saying, oh, we don't need an audience. We don't need an audience. But it is a lot more fun when you have it because for one thing the phone system here in, in my little village in the Berkshires is so uh antiquated i would have to uh start talking on the show before i knew what i was going to say <laughs> <laughs> we've experienced a little bit of that today Just, yes. in the fabulous a tiny yeah. little bit but it is amazing to know like I, I remember hearing you for many years on wait wait don't tell me but knowing now that you you know you have a live in a quaint hamlet of the berkshires yes yep i do i also remember thinking i remember uh listening to you and thinking wow roy blunt senior who's the senator from missouri and roy blunt jr no, must no, not no, get along no, at all no, until i realized no, that no, you no. i know, <laughs> until i realized there was absolutely no it must have been quite the thanksgiving Clearly with roy this blunt is jr an ongoing trauma that plagues him to this day yeah. so you, you are of no relation to the senator from missouri roy blunt i'm not and they, he spells it different too he leaves the o out there you go. that's right makes it makes a certain crude uh sense but um it's no we're not related i have met him and uh, he he sent me a letter some time ago saying that i tell everybody saying quote in his letter i tell everybody that i'm the funny one (laughs) uh, no it's worse than that he said he tells everybody that i what i'm pointing to right now me say to everybody that he is the funny one and I, I didn't even answer. <laughs> well, wait, wait, don't tell me. It's taping live at Tanglewood tonight. And we're speaking with Roy Blunt Jr. and Nagin Farsad. We have prepared little bits of our own fabulous 413 style wait, wait, don't tell me quiz. And we've done the first part in limerick style. So the first one is for you, Nagin. I will okay. give you the limerick and you fill in the blank. I'm stressed out. Okay, let's see if I can do this. If you're going to do it in front of a national NPR audience tonight and then a live audience at Tangle, this is easy. Okay. 
I'll try to do it in my best Carl Castle. I miss the Carl Castle days, too. I'm not sure how well this will bode for our president courting more voties. This authoritarian who's vegetarian state dinner gas prime minister. Modi! Yay! Yay! Correct! Nagin. Khalees <laughs> has a, a limerick as well. I do. We'll send this one to Roy. Romance is all about mood. On the page, those feelings pursued. A strong heroine was always within the books by blank. Uh, Cormac McCarthy. No. <laughs> <laughs> this is somebody who's in the news. This, uh... It is. Has recently and, passed uh, away. Nagin, have any guesses? I don't know who that is. This is a hard one, guys. I didn't get this one either, and I still don't know the answer. Only, only Khalees. Oh, you overestimated <laughs> Ramon, yeah. uh, it the is... average weight weight panelist. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Also, like I, I don't blame anyone for not reading trashy romance novels in their teens. Julie Garwood. Oh, oh. okay. Well, that rhymes with viewed? With mood. Or what, or what? Wood, mood. Wood, mood. Oh, okay. Garwood. Oh. Yeah. Probably was on my grandmother's porch with a picture of Fabio on it. That kind of yes, that yeah, kind. Okay, <laughs> for sure. He can't believe it's not butter. No, and neither can we. Okay, uh, one more limerick. This one will go for Nagin as well. That's Marlon Brando. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, that was a deep cut as well. Yeah. <laughs> I want all of our uh, people here to know that that was Roy Blunt Jr. that brought up that particular topic, so that you don't, I don't get in trouble. Here we go. Third limerick. Six months into Congress's shift. Republicans are returning the gift. The House just got tenser with uncensored censures giving a slap on the wrist of rep. Oh, God. Um, rep? I'm trying to rhyme it with what? Ift. Shift and gift. Oh. It's a little bit of a, a, a slightly off perfect rhyme. Roy? Well, shift. Yeah. Yeah. I'm softening the T. Maybe we yeah, we gotta leave the limericks to Peter Sagal. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not Peter. It's uh, uh, what's in it? I'm did, sorry. Schiff is his name, right? Yeah, you got yeah. it correct. Yeah, but I mean, it was a, oh. it was a, it was not a true rhyme, but it was a, it was rhyme adjacent. No. Schiff gift. Well, near rhymes. I think we need to blame the limerick writer. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a, it's us. It's what's happening? Who in this case is us? Yeah, it's fine. Okay, we have near some... rhymes are too. Too tasty to not leave in your work. We have some non-rhyming um, questions for uh, okay. Nagin Farsad as well as Roy Blunt Jr., who will be part of an actual, you know, professional quiz show <laughs> called Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me Tonight, recorded live at Tanglewood. Do you want to do the first one? Sure. So, Nagin, what looks like it will be the tragic story of a private submissible being lost at sea while attempting to explore the remains of the Titanic, the submarine was allegedly being controlled by a device most commonly used for what? Oh, um, the device was being, was, uh, is, um, I don't know, Roomba vacuum? Oh, no, it was not used for Roomba vacuum. I have no vacuum. idea. Roy? This is like a Game Boy thing. Yes, yeah. very, that's, that is correct. It's a video game controller called the Logitech F710, which is most often used with the PlayStation. Yeah, it's a third-party PlayStation controller. Yeah, I think I have some. Which might have been their first like mistake. I Those never work well. Though. You were close. Yes. The Roomba vacuum is like a game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Especially if you have cats or children. Yeah, and it has better results than Absolutely. most other. Yes. 
It's endless entertainment. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Roy, this question is for you. The Kennedy Center announced its honorees for its next ceremony on December 3rd, a list that includes Billy Crystal, Renee Fleming, Barry Gibb, Dionne Warwick, and this hip-hop queen. Oh, gosh. I don't think I saw that story. Um, hip-hop queen. Uh, hip-hop queen? Yep. Um, uh, that's not my and actor. main area. Huh? And, and actor. actor. And actor. Um you know it again? Is it Queen Latifah? Yes. Sure is. Oh, Queen yeah. Latifah. That's our live audience from Tanglewood you're hearing in the background there. <laughs> U-N-I-T-Y. Yes. Indeed. Oh, Indeed. Should have queued up some Queen Latifah music. There, yes, you should yeah. have. That's okay. Okay, so Nagin, Tanglewood took its name from Tanglewood Tales written by this author while he lived in a cottage on the estate. Uh, oh. Uh, um, here's, here's a hint. Dan Brown. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, Here, here's a Starring hint. Tom Hanks. <laughs> he, he's also written about colored letters. That uh, people have to wear. That people have to wear. Oh, he's the guy that wrote The Scarlet Letter. Indeed. The Scarlet yeah. Letter? Yes, that would be... Same, um, same guy? Same, same guy. guy. You can Google wow, it real I quick and no one will even know. I remembered that guy's <laughs> Roy? Roy just hung up. Uh-oh. Oh, no. Oh, no, I didn't. Okay, good. I can hear Googling. Hello. Hello, yes. Do you know who the author is? Nathaniel Hawthorne? Yes. <laughs> the internet to the rescue. For Roy Blunt Jr. and Nagini Farsad. Part of... He knew that one. They should take our our NPR tote bags away from us. <laughs> not answering these literary questions. It is no, so embarrassing. You knew Hawthorne. You knew, he knew Hawthorne. Again, it's bad enough about not getting clean my teeth, but I did know. Did know Hawthorne. I figured it being so literary. Sabotage me, right? <laughs> yeah, the phone try the Tanglewood phone tree tried to sabotage you. Okay, two one question each left for you before we let you go. This one may be catering to Roy's dictionary fetish. And has a more local connection. Merriam-Webster Dictionary, we have an, uh, an editor on every week, calls what Massachusetts town its home? Merriam. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. And I would believe it if the know. actual dictionary headquarters weren't around the corner from my yes. house. <laughs> it is the third largest city in Massachusetts. It's the city with, from which we are broadcasting right now. Lennox. No, not Lennox. Springfield. It's Springfield. There we go. Springfield. Last question for Nagin. Parking, yeah. parking in downtown Greenfield will be free all weekend because there's a festival that's named after a river that runs through Greenfield. The river and the festival are named after a river with this color as its name. Hint, I've said it a lot already. Teal. It's in, it's green. in, you, green, there we go. Roy, Roy jumped in there and got it. I heard there that one. Go. Green. Yes, the, the green, green River, River Festival okay. and the Green River runs through Greenfield. We're painfully unoriginal in certain parts of <laughs> Western Massachusetts. But I still think there's a chance that the right answer is teal. I want to say that. <laughs> there, I mean, having seen it, I well, think that you may be right here. 
<laughs> I can't wait to go to the Teal River Festival, and I also can't wait to go to Tanglewood tonight, where we'll be able to hear real questions asked by real professionals on a real nationwide radio show. Who are really better than us at writing those questions and limericks. Absolutely. Wait, wait, don't tell me, which is being taped tonight, and we have been joined by Nagin Farsad and Roy Blunt Jr., who are the panelists who will be there tonight. Thank you both so much for joining us here in the fabulous 413. Okay. Thank you so much for having us. We'll see you tonight. (laughs) Indeed. Okay. (laughs) Coming up, we'll give you a real quick plywood ramp to the weekend if you're doing something apart from Green River Festival or Tanglewood. You're listening to The Fabulous 413 on NEPM. Let's go. Welcome back to The Fabulous 413. I'm Khalees Smith. And I'm Monty Belmonte. Here's a quick rundown of things that you can do this weekend that are not the Green River Festival. And if you are coming to the Green River Festival, you'll see us. But the Fab Fashion Passion Show is happening this weekend in Springfield. We've got the show that we talked about on Wednesday with yesterday. It was yesterday. Time, oh. time is a blur. <laughs> it is a blur. Terry Janor um, at Bombix. The Jungle Brothers, hip hop legends of native tongues, are at Gateway City Arts this weekend. Making of a Great Moment opens at Chester Theater. The FAQ Queer Variety Show is going to be at the Egremont, Egremont Barn in Egremont, who's got the hardest town name to say. And I can say Lemonster. Ooh. I know. That's a hard one, too. 10 Forward, a fantastic queer space in Greenfield, has the one-two punch of two-step night on Friday and dark goth techno on Saturday. I love it. I love them so much. And Glenn David Andrews, who you just heard, is going to be at Hawks and Reed tonight to get you ready for the Green River Festival, which starts tomorrow and from which we will be broadcasting live. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit wondering how many, should we tell them any of the secrets of the people that are going to be performing yet? No. Okay, Khalees wants to keep it secret, but we will be talking to the Green River Festival creator, founder, curator, Jim Olson. We'll have uh, some folks who will be part of the festival and some folks who will be part of the festival adjacent whose music you'll want to hear. Yes, and since we're broadcasting live from the back porch, Dave, we're going to chat with Kent Hicks of East Branch Studio, who designed and built that stage for the festival. And, you know, it's Live Music Friday, so we're going to have that live music with secret musicians. Who aren't on the official lineup, in fact, for some of them. Our director is Tony, got his doppelganger pants on again, done. Our engineer is Betsy, prefers paradoxes to angry emails, Lankto. Our technical team is Bart, omnivorous opportunist, Rankin, Kara, patience of Job, mouth of a sailor, Foster, and punk rude boy, Dubay. Thanks to Spouse, Happy Valley Guitar Orchestra, Jay Giles Band, Glenn David Andrews, BJ Lederman, and the Wait Wait theme music, and the Jungle Brothers. I'm Felice Smith. I'm Monty Belmonte. See you tonight at Tanglewood, tomorrow at the Green River Festival. Man, we're everywhere. Yeah.